Welcome back, everybody. Keith and Robert with Race to the Kingdom Ministries here. And uh, we're talking, on, we're continuing our series on grace and the grace race with part two uh, uh, freedom. And if we want to do it Mel Gibson style, freedom! <laughs> great, great right? one. Oh, Good job, brother. Great movie. It's, it's the most epically tragic ending, but man, what a great movie. Please yeah. say hi and introduce yeah. everybody hey to our topic. And uh, let's get rolling. Yeah, you can't you can't say hi any better than that. And <laughs> the way, <laughs> the way that you throw your arms in the air and proclaim freedom and victory um, is what we want to remind everybody on what that freedom truly is. And and Braveheart's a great example of of expressing that because you know William Wallace decided to take a stand against the tyranny of the evil one, which happened to be Longshanks, right? Yeah. And, bad, bad dude. And, the, worst, the worst, the most vicious, evil, <laughs> uh, just, I mean, you, you think of a king of England, you're like, oh, it's England. It's, you know, they're all pretty easy to get along <laughs> with, right? The guy was <laughs> vicious, just <laughs> mean, nasty, did horrible things to his people and 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 really from that theme is is where we want to go with the true meaning of freedom in the bible um and how the tyranny of another ruling king if you will the 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 prince of the air the ruler of darkness uh the king of this earth which is Satan himself and the authority that he usurped uh, in the garden against Adam and Eve. And now the world is under his rule and Jesus has come to give us freedom. <laughs> we can cry out freedom from that rule is where we want to take you guys um, because we can twist that very easily we can twist the notion of freedom into kind of where America has taken its freedom. And, and that's where we want to make note of this in scripture, that there is an oppression that is put on by even religious leaders that Christ came to set us free from that. But, Ultimately, he came to set us free from the evil one so that we don't obey his agenda anymore. And so we're going to take you through some, you know, some scriptures to kind of allude to how it can be twisted, but how we need to uphold the way in which God taught it to us, the way in which Jesus taught and the apostles taught about freedom. Um so again, even, even our founding fathers, even the great pioneers of the 13 colonies who came over to America, they were escaping religious tyranny, right? So, so they were escaping what the Pharisaic Church of England was actually bringing onto the people. And so we're going to address the whole Pharisee thing and how we can escape from the tyranny of religion, but embrace the true meaning of spiritual Christianity. So hopefully that makes sense. Well, and it'll make even more sense as we go through some of the scriptures. And so as you look at our screen here, Robert, if you want to kind of read these two verses and we'll yeah. hit them. Yeah. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Galatians 5.1. Romans 6, 6 and 7. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Yeah, we have... 
we have a couple of verses here that I can say, you know, even in my own life and my own um, association with Christians and Christian men and Christian philosophy being preached from the pulpits. Um, and as we know, the church at large in all denominations has um, been indoctrinated with, um, you know, allowing the world in its ways to creep in. You know, there's no easier way to say it with um, the freedoms that they have allowed. And that's why, um, you know, that's why Paul has to address the churches and say, well, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? <laughs> you know, by, by no means. Was it uh, uh, first or second Corinthians? He's like, the, the sins you are doing are even worse than the pagans are doing. Right, the, <laughs> your sexual morality yeah. is even off the chart for that's right for uh, for non Christians, and here you are claiming yeah. to be Christians and 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 doing that right. Yeah. Well, and 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 even a step further, not only were they sinning sins that not even a pagan would sin, that means sleeping with their own mother. Okay, um, but they are boasting about it. So, you know, not only are you doing it, but you're boasting that you're, you're knocking sleeping. your buddy on the shoulder, dude, guess what I did <laughs> dude, last night? You know, yeah, you've been forgiven oh, and awful. by God's grace, you can live <laughs> any way you want. Yeah? yeah. And so that's, you know, the word freedom here in the Strong's Concordance is liberty, freedom, um, eleutheria is uh, freedom from slavery. Um, and so what did Jesus teach takes us captive? What did Paul and the other apostles teach take us captive? Then, Robert. Yeah, so what displeases God takes wow. us captive. Right. So we, we have, of course, the old story in the garden where s s the serpent comes in to tempt in order to take captive. I want to take your mind captive to disobey God. So any in any form that sin would take, all it means is to miss the mark, to disobey God, to disobey what pleases him, disobey his will. And then we have, you know, just lists of sins, which, by the way, was not the complete list that the Pharisees had. So the Pharisees added to that list of things that displeased God. So in the right? time of the Pharisees, right, we had 600 and I think it's 23 or 643. I can never remember exactly which it is. Yeah. Commandments yeah. in the Old Testament, right? Right. So right. now the New Testament created a, you know, a bunch more, um, over a thousand. But in the time of, of Jesus, it was just the Old Testament. The, Old, the New Testament didn't exist, right? So, so they had taken that 623, and they piled on some new ones that they made up on their own. Yeah, and they, these, these were not, these were not um, ways to identify or practical means by fulfilling God's Ten Commandments which is what all the applications of the other laws were meant to do. They were meant to take, you know, um, uh, thou shalt not covet and explain all the things in your life that show you covetousness. Okay. Right. And so it was meant to show you if you do covet and you do take, you know, your neighbor's property and you, it does lead to, those things those are the those are the things that god hates and and it began in the heart and it manifested into your um you know you uh acting on it and is it and fair so, to say that 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 you know we got we got the core 10 and you and i have talked about you could probably even boil that down to two um but is it fair to say that like the the it's like, let's say use 623 because I don't know a better number. So we had, you know, so 613 of those commandments were simply clarification 
of the 10. Yeah, the 10, that's right. right. Application to yeah. practical living. Yeah. So if you, your like when your kid comes up to you and wonders, says, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm talking over you. I'm sorry. But when your kid comes up to you and says, I know you told me not to do that, but but does that apply to this too? You know, right. you know, they're they're pushing in the gray area, right? And yeah, so this clarified out the gray area, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. All right. Yeah. And just want to... that's also where we want to clarify in the Bible, in the New Testament, in the new teachings of of Christ. He came to reveal the um, you know, the heart of the law and not just the letter of the law. Uh, which actually made the law even more um, exposing. It exposed all humanity as being guilty before God from the heart. And then he came to offer a solution for that. And, and that's the new covenant. I'm giving you a solution. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and this is where we're going to differ with so much of the teaching out there that has accommodated the idea that the solution is just forgiveness. So the solution is Jesus died for you and forgave you, and that's the solution. So the Bible actually does not provide that as the solution. The, that's, that, is a, um, that is a result of repentance. So a result of repentance is the forgiveness that you receive, placing your faith in the blood of Jesus. But the solution is the power of the Holy Spirit that's been given to you in order to live the life that does please God and takes you out of bondage to the evil one. And so that's where freedom, it cannot be used any different than that, because that's the way the Bible explains it. Yeah, it's, um, it's funny, you know, yeah. and, you know, you, we, you think, I mean, when I talk about, you know, when you think freedom, of course, we're Americans, and so we have the freedom of religion, not the freedom from it, but the freedom of it, so you can practice Protestant, Catholic, Baptist, Muslim, Buddhist. There's no state-sponsored religion, so we have that freedom. Which, um, which, which yeah, it, you have several satanic religions, but and, you know, none like, of which are endorsed by the U.S. government. But you know, uh, neither is Christian. Well, Christianity is sort of in. I mean, we were formed on Christian principles, um, but you know, there's no. You know, there's no. The state is not allowed to abolish that satanic religion you know it's not a state issue right because we have the freedom if you want to you want to you know worship satan then you are free to do that at least as far as the state is concerned right right and 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 so just acknowledge that acknowledge the effect of that acknowledge the problem with that so acknowledge where even our freedom uh, in the changing of the intent of the Constitution, mm -hmm. the changing of the intent of the Declaration of Independence. The, the intent of freedom of religion was never, and by the way, Robert and I have talked about this, uh, no one does a better job of explaining this, which takes a considerable amount of research and time. Um, but Dr. Dell Tackett from uh, Focus on the Family. He has a um, he has a video series called The Truth Project, and in particularly one episode called uh, The American Experiment shows you how America was founded on a Christian biblical foundation, where the government was under. The, the rule of this biblical Christian God, where everything was going to be defined by the, the biblical understanding mm. of what God gave us to govern. 
And so the separation of church and state was never was never an item. It was never part of that. It was always part of a the church, which is the um, the governing agency of of God's judgment. God right. is the judge, yeah. right? He's he alone is the judge. Yeah. He has the right to judge. We are his servants, and we are the ones now providing a community under that judgment. And so that's been twisted. So historical revisionism, everything's been rewritten. Um, it's a great episode that shows all that, that shows how the frog in the pot got started, mm-hmm. where, where all these reinterpretation of things began. And so like Robert was saying, what, what is the problem with freedom of religion now in allowing all religions to come over to America and and now be separate from the state. So so you can practice your religion any way you want to, which can be in complete defiance against God's commands and be completely um, obtrusive to humanity. And yet you're allowing the freedom to express that. And so though it's though you will hold them accountable for your particular laws, so the laws of the state, you know, you can't go murder somebody, uh, you will get persecuted for that. But when it comes to sacrificing, you know, um, uh, all these, all these animals. Right. Yeah, you you can do that. You can kill all those. And when it comes to um, mutilating your children's gender, uh, so you know to to accommodate what you believe. Yeah, no, you can do that too. In fact, we'll we'll make sure you do it. So there there is there is a huge distortion between what really truly is the law of the land versus the law of God. And so our twisting of the law of God has created that the law of man will usurp the law of God. Or even the absence, right? Not even twisting the law of God or just, just the absence of enforcement of the law of God. Right. It's, I mean, we've all, you know, anybody that's, that's gotten into their thirties and forties and have had friends have, have known that friend, who had a child, you know, that the, the people didn't believe in discipline. We, we want them to, you know, to be their own person. We want them to become whoever they want to become. And we don't discipline them. We don't do, you know, we let their hair grow. If they want their, let their hair grow. We let them do whatever they want. Right. We've all had a friend or an acquaintance that did that with their kid. I, you know, and that kid is a nightmare. Right. <laughs> um, you know, unbarriered freedom is is chaos, right? It's it's the actually the water is the is biblically the water is chaos, right? The water mean you know water means chaos. Uh, it, it stands for chaos in in the Bible, and it's the reason that that you know the flood was used it's it just he he organized chaos from uh, and created land within the water land was was uh what you call it um uh, was 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 control and water was chaos and if you look at water as a builder the one thing you want to keep out of your structure in any way you can is water water kills buildings and water especially in buildings generally always win and always wins. Right. So one of the things we try to do is we, we try to keep water off of the surface down and away as the rule for, for water on a building. We want it out and away. And it's the same thing. So, so if, if, if we use that, that, you know, and you can think about that, right. And you say, well, I can't control where water goes. It just goes here. It goes there. It gets in my floor. It raises this. It goes, you know, anytime it rains, it washes away stuff. Water is a great analogy for lack of control or lack of, you know, a, a, a broad, unabashed freedom. Water goes wherever it wants. 
right? Unless you what? Control it. Unless you dam it. Unless <laughs> yeah, you retain it. Right? That's right? Unless you put borders around it, right? Unless, unless we structure. Yeah, you yeah. have structure. I mean, that, it just—it's actually okay. kind of interesting. You have the, the the Bay Area right there, right behind you, and it's just like—and I didn't realize yeah. this. We didn't plan this. This this analogy of water is something I—it just struck yeah. me. But mm -hmm. and then it struck me that you're sitting in front of it uh, with your San Francisco thing. But it's chaos right. and right. and pure unordered freedom is chaos. Well, again, let's let's apply that also to a sports analogy, and and real easy to see, right? So if you know we come into a, a football game, and all of a sudden we have no referees, mm -hmm. okay? So there's there's no referees, there's no time clock, there's no there's no structure, right? right. What's going to happen to that game? Horrible, right? Even if the yeah. even if there are referees and you know there are games you watch, right? That that the referees don't enforce the rules of the, that day, well, it, right? They're not calling it, penalties, and and or they're calling penalties in you know uh, unbalanced. Or you right? have corrupt you have corrupt referees. So yeah. you have you have you know you can see the corruptness that they're calling penalties for one team but they're not calling penalties for another. For other, right. Well, that, yeah. that's our, that's our government. That's the difference between right and left. That's what everyone's accusing one another of is the conspiracies of what is really going on behind the scenes, the manipulation, the corruption, the deception, um, what really is the agenda and who's really running the scene. I mean, you have all of that. And so, Again, what happens is you have a melting pot of confusion, a melting pot of chaos, a tower of Babel. Everybody's opinion is is just whirling around. And again, you're 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 getting into civil war. You're getting into uh, climate change. <laughs> you're getting into all the stuff that uh, compiles on itself to create this environment. And that's pretty much what we're living in now across the world. And everyone's trying to make sense of it. Robert and I were even saying that, you know, even those who don't so, so grievously don't want to be judged, they're the ones who are judging everybody in order not to be judged. Yeah. And no, so you're, yeah. Right. Um, I used, I ran across a news story um, that I was telling Keith about, and it applies to this, right? It's, it's just this this idea that uh, this mayor in Hudo, uh, Texas, got a gift from somebody at a city council meeting of a, a bunch of bananas and a, and a toy monkey, you know, one of those little deals. And this lady had run for council. She did not get elected. She had, she was using this as a, as a way to say, hey, you know, these bananas are up on this tree and we all have to work hard to get up this tree. And I'm willing to be one of the fellow monkeys, even though I didn't get elected, to help climb this tree with everybody else. And the guy's like, hey, we appreciate that. That's nice of you and, and everything else. And he left a bunch of bananas sitting on his on his, um, you know, on the desk during the meeting and stuff and, and didn't think anything of it. Right. And then, you know, uh, a an organization came in, you know, afterwards and has demanded his resignation because bananas are somehow racist and an indication of that, you know, that 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 he's a racist because he left bananas sitting on his on his uh, on his desk during a city council meeting. Right. Yeah. And they're all worked up about yeah. it and stuff right and he's just like like you know and i've been around this you know i'm 58 i i read the news a lot i i'm involved in stuff i've never heard bananas called racist in my life it's it's actually gone into hyper judgment right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and, and but those people are you know you know they're they're they're, they're turning a, a judgment on well you're 
you're leaving bananas there is racist to, you know, where, and, and, and trying to, you know, dredge up something that, that was, you know, you were judging people on race. And so now we're going to judge you on bananas because, because it was a, because the world judged people on race and, and now bananas are a symbolic gesture of, of that. Hey, listen, if it's a KKK hood, I get it. Right. Um, bad stuff. Lucy, why, why, do, why do you get it with KKK? Well, cause it was bananas. bad stuff, right? They hung, <laughs> they were absolutely hanging black people because they were black. So, right. Do you I, see what, do you see what we're saying though? So, so to our audience, what we're saying is that there is a time to judge and there's also a time not to judge who makes that, who, who makes that clear? Who has the right to declare what to judge and what not to judge? Well, the judge, the God the only of one. all. Yeah. The only righteous one, the one who's created us. And so we're the ones who twist it all. We're the ones who argue over what we want and we make ourselves judge instead of coming under the judge's judgment and declaring what he judges and declaring his judgments, which is what we want to do. So we want to get back to declaring God's judgments and rightly dividing his judgments in the Bible so that we can be his people, we can live according to his blessings, and we can reap what, um, what you know, we're sowing because we're sowing the good seed that he wanted us to sow. And that will lead to a good harvest where everything else will not. It will lead to all the fires that are destroying everything, all the earthquakes, all the pestilences, It'll lead to every judgment known to man that has increased dramatically and including civil unrest, which is where we are today. And that's what's happening. I think we've done a pretty good job of it here. One of the things I was trying to make sure we covered was the idea that living under law is not freedom, right? Living under law is freedom, right? We have to have... Living under chaos, there are those who, I guess, will argue that living under chaos, no rules, no nothing, is is freedom. But we see what that means, right? That was the the example of the of the child who grows up without limitations, without boundaries, without rules. Those children are horrible people. Nobody wants to be around that kid. Um, he doesn't function well in society. He doesn't, you know. Um, so, you know, the idea that, 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 you know, freedom, that by coming, becoming Christian, you exchange sort of one set of, or, or chaos for a set of rules, and how do you get freedom out of exchanging chaos for a set of rules? Um, well, the, 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 I guess the paradox is, is that chaos was also founded on rules. And those were the rules m- made by the enemy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he was the one telling you, okay, to follow his plan for life. Okay. So God knows that when you eat of this, uh, you'll be wise and surely you won't die. So I'm giving you another ball game that you can follow. You don't have to follow his plan. You can follow my plan. So it still was a plan. Mm -hmm. So whether or not you're, you know, it's still the rule of law by Satan. His rule of law is follow your flesh. Okay. Follow your desires, even if they're contradictory to God's law and God's desires. It's still a rule of law. Okay. And, and so, and, and in that rule of law, you end up worshiping some idol because of it, right? Absolutely. Whether we whether we use the example of the of the guy that with the the mansion and the you know two beautiful kids and smoking hot wife, 
he's got a you know but doesn't know christ he's got a he's got an idol that he has to to worship to maintain all of that right if he loses his money he loses his mansion he probably loses his smoking hot wife he he loses all that stuff so he's got an idol that and and a rule of law that comes along with that idol to maintain all that to keep all that false stuff right the one who visits you know who drinks and and you know and and uses alcohol or something like that or even abuses alcohol i i'm free i just get to drink whatever i want it's awesome right he's worshiping an idol there that is alcohol that has a cost to it of probably not keeping his job very long maybe losing his driver's license when he gets caught drinking and driving and, and those kinds of things so you know we can say that hey god says you know we, we shouldn't do some of these things um as part of his law as part of his commandments but you know because of that we are free from other things right he grants us freedom from those the the evil parts of sin by following his better way his more appropriate way am i saying that right yeah let me clarify um something too about what you had said because what what our goal is is to define what truly are god's laws statutes what pleases him what are his parameters for for giving true life and then what are the what are the gray areas that we're not to judge what are the areas that we have a tendency to set up very strict judgments okay but they're not the areas that god has asked us to judge so like even what what robert said and he he said it well-meaningly in 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 the context but <laughs> you can hammer me if you need to it's okay i, I don't have no, feelings what, what, that way <laughs> so let me just show you how closely connected it is yeah okay so yeah what do christians this is where christians are are blamed so ravenously for using the word idol okay what what we declare as an idol right um that's so subjective because an idol can be anything that truly takes um, your allegiance away from God. And now you are creating some other God that you care more about than the one true God. That's really the definition of an idol, but it's very subjective at what level that that actually happens. So like you can, where, where do you make riches an idol? So did, when did King Solomon make riches an idol? When he had all the wealth and it wasn't an idol and it wasn't a sin to have all that wealth. Right. He did. When, and then he, where, and then he turned so it into the, thousands, yeah. hundreds of horses or, you know, thousands of horses and hundreds of wives and, and. I mean, I, I'm actually just going through the that Chronicles part, you know, that book of Chronicles where it talks about what what David gave to Solomon for wealth is crazy. How much he, how well, much wealth he went into, himself. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that shows you that that those things aren't a sin in themselves. Right. The smoking hot wife is not a sin. The mm. The big house with the pool is not a sin. The, you know, the, the big bank account is not a sin, but it can be. And that's where, that's why it's so, it, it's so important not to declare idol worship. Specific thing. That, with, yeah. Right. Without, it's the, without, it's the, yeah. The amount of time that that man has to take and spend working on. Uh, you know, he's a trial lawyer, right? He defends, you know, or something, right? So all that time that's required that could be and should be focused on time spent with God, Jesus, that becomes the idol 
right? That takes you away. And that could just as easily be the amount of time that I spend on, you know, Twitter or TikTok or whatever on my phone that could be time spent even in my phone on Bible Hub, you know, reading scripture and time spent with Jesus in my journal or something like that. Those are, you know, seemingly opposite ends of the of the idol world, but they're both idols, right? Well, well, yeah. I mean, again, it it takes discernment, and and it does take. I think what Christians hate about Christians, <laughs> what what Christians hate about Christians is that it's always a competition in, uh, of uh, pious sacrifice. Like, right. oh, you could have used that um, to feed the poor. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, and, and we're always judging one another on how Christian-like you, you are based on these um, non-essential judgments right. that you, you should not be judging, right? right? You should not be judging those things. And we end up doing just the opposite. We judge them primarily. Mm-hmm. So, so what we found out is that that's what usually happens in the Christian world is that they, we, we nitpick just like the Pharisees did. And we judge the non-essentials all the time. We judge, you know, whether you show up to church every Sunday, mm-hmm. we judge, you know, whether you go to Bible study and how much you're, you're, you know, you're, you're showing yourself as, as religious. Um, we, we judge all those things, but again, God judges the heart. If you're not showing some of those fruit, yes, you, you, you should ask your brother where they stand on certain issues. Um, but again, it does take discernment rather than the obvious, right? So, um, yeah, my, I just noticed that you, you went into a um, strip bar or I just noticed that, um, you know, you didn't pay your taxes or I just noticed that. So you, you, you have these, you know, I just noticed you're, you're, you're cheating on your wife. I, I, I saw you with another, you know, another and, and woman. Or, so the, the next know. part of that then is also then come, let's have coffee. Let's talk about that. Or come sit with me and let's talk about that, right? Rather than just the church lady judgmentalism, right? Well, isn't that special, mm-hmm. right? That whole judgmentalism mm-hmm. is, you know, we're called to help our brother in that, right? There's there's a root cause of why are you cheating on your wife, right? Um, and well, that's what we're that's what we're defining, though. We're defining yeah. what you're supposed to judge, right? Because you're supposed to be given the black and white judgment of God in the things that displeases him, right? And the things that bring judgment on to you, okay? So God's judgment, he will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. So Galatians 6, in other words, help your brother out of the sin so that he doesn't have to incur God's judgment. Right. That's the idea of judging correctly. Okay. Yeah. And help so him, help him sow something our, different. Something better. Yeah. 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 Well, getting back to our verses, this is yeah. this is the the pitting of these two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Galatians 5 1, don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. What slavery was he talking about? He was talking about the slavery Oops. of circumcision. So circumcision oh, was okay. yeah, was the main topic. Mm-hmm. But we know that that was a ritual uh, proclaimed by God, but didn't um, affect the heart. And so Jesus came to change that, and he came to change it to be circumcision of the heart. And he said, that doesn't allow you, that doesn't do anything to help you not be an adulterer. That does, you know, if you circumcise your flesh, it won't help you not be a coveter not be an idolater, not be, okay, all these things that I truly care about, that circumcision of your flesh won't help you with that. But the circumcision of your heart through the Holy Spirit will help you with that. And so I came to remove the yoke of slavery 
for you obeying all these external dietary ritualistic ceremonial laws and i came to get to the root of the matter and that's what the holy spirit was given for that's what the grace of god was given for the gift of god was so that we could live now from the heart according to his laws that matter the one in Romans 6 shows that the the freedom was to be set free from the entanglements and the enslavement of those sins that matter okay not of the uh, myriad of external things that don't matter including the color of your skin including whether or not you have a tattoo okay an external thing right. uh, including whether or not your hair is long or short, okay, um, makes no difference to God, including whether or not you got uh, sprinkled by water as a baby as opposed to dunked in the water or whether you did it as an adult or a baby, okay? Um, those all, things, right? I mean, yeah, or yeah we, we dealt with that in baptism, right? We you dealt know, we, with that. <laughs> yeah. And, and that that's where freedom comes in. So it's, it's freedom from the pious man-made religion and it's true freedom from the enslavement to sin that God hates. And so we're going to go through just a few um, verses like Galatians 5, 2, and 3. You want to read that? Yeah. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Yeah, and this is not the moral law. He's not saying you're obligated to keep the whole moral law. He's saying you're obligated to keep the law of external requirements like circumcision. And that's why Paul adds all those statements into his writings. He'll, he'll talk about, you know, why do you um, look at feast days? Why, why do you, you know, put yourself under thou shalt not taste, thou shalt not touch, okay, when those things are not the things that God cares about. And so he is always going back to that argument um, in every book. Um, Hebrews chapter 9 and 10 make that extremely clear. All the external things that uh, uh, God does not want to focus on. So Galatians 4.10, you observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. So you're, you're, not, you're not showing the, um, the main part of God's law that he cares about. Okay. And so you have seven actual woes in the Bible to the religious leaders. Matthew 23 gives seven woes to these leaders that God hates. He hates it when you focus on the wrong things. And so Matthew 23, we're just going to give as a simple uh, example, but this is only one of many. Go, go ahead and read that, Robert. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others, you blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but the inside... They are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and plate that the outside may also be clean. And that's really, so, you know, it's, it's yeah. like, hey, you, you, and it's like circumcision. What Paul talks about with circumcision, right? Hey, you, which is where we're at, right? Here at Romans 2, you know, you can get circumcised. It's an outward compliance to the law. But if the inside, if the heart, isn't changed yeah what does it matter that, that's the outside of well, the cup, God, right well that and that truly is what 
Romans here talks about, he clarifies the fact of, you know, even between Jew and Gentile. So who really is a Jew? Paul, Paul makes this statement, you know, that, that a Gentile can be a Jew. A Jew cannot be a Jew. And so, right. No, a Jew Jew cannot cannot be a Jew. So a Jew cannot be a true Jew because true, a true Jew is one who is a Jew from the heart, the heart that obeys God. And so he goes for circumcision indeed is a value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code in circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not the letter. So again, Paul's making a a very disruptive point to the pride of the Jewish um, leaders, the, the, the people who pride themselves on following the external laws and keeping circumcision and saying you must be circumcised to be a son of Abraham, right? And and Paul is saying not at all. You can be circumcised all you want on the outside and claim to be a son of Abraham, but you're really a son of the devil, which is what Jesus said in John to the, to the people uh, on the temple. And so the... The idea was that if you're not truly circumcised in the heart, that means loving God by obeying his true commands, the things that matter to him, then again, it is nothing. You're, you're only a Jew if you're one from the heart that pleases God. Mm-hmm. And everyone has the opportunity to do that. Um, and I guess uh, Christ- good examples of that would be like, um in judges you know they so many of those judges were you know um you know so and so and he did evil in the light in the eyes of the lord right um those guys were they were circumcised they were jews but they weren't right they weren't mm-hmm. following in that case in you know, the old testament so you know they were they were called out you know in the you know, in the text of the Bible, hey, so-and-so was the next leader, but he was he was not following the laws of the, of the Lord, up, upholding the covenant. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. But he was definitely a Jewish cause, Jew because he, you know, he got clipped and, and he was born into the right house and all that kind of stuff, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And we have we have an understanding here from these next few verses just in the gray areas of idolatry. um, You know, what really matters to God from the heart? So read the Romans 121 through 23 there, Robert. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal, exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So when it talked about the precepts of the law, this is what happened to them: mm-hmm. is that they, you know, the people that knew God, they knew Him. They knew his righteous requirement, but they didn't honor it and they didn't give thanks to him. And they decided to make the great exchange <laughs> and uh, they chose 
mortal man and his ways and, and, you know, nature over God. And they decided to twist, of course, his, his moral laws that he cares about. And so Romans one twenty four says, therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than creator. He goes on to say that um, right here in 127, that he gave them up to unnatural relations where, you know, women were consumed uh, with passion for one another. And men were committing shameless acts with men, receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So there's where the whole um, letting letting the denial of God and not giving him thanks and honoring um, him and upholding his righteous requirements, God gives you over to those sinful desires and they manifest themselves into the LGBTQ movement. Okay. And that is something that's written right here in God's law. So he condemned them and gave them up over to themselves. And this has created, this has created all the problems with um, this movement and what we're seeing today um, and what we see in, in what that does to children and to our society and to the fabric of, of, of how uh, humanity was supposed to be fruitful and multiply it actually works in the opposite direction. And, and of course, we've seen all the diseases that have resulted from that lifestyle. And so that, and that again, is just one application of sexual immorality. I mean, you can apply that to, you know, adultery and, uh, you know, uh, cheating on your spouse. Um, you can apply that to all other immoral laws that break God's heart in the same way. And so again, there's, there's a whole list of them that God definitely does not want us to do. And they're right here in Romans 1, through 32. If you'll read that, uh, Robert. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, and malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. They know not God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. A heck of a list, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, and it, and it really sounds like you know what what is happening and what was promised in the end times but again what we want you to note is this okay we want you to note that all are under sin okay and all have fallen short of the glory of god that's romans 3 23 and god has sent his son to die for the sins of the world Okay, all these sins, all these rebellions against him, Christ gave up his life so that we could receive a new life. So we could be forgiven for those sins and we could be adopted into his family and live by the power of the Holy Spirit to live a new life apart from these sins, no longer being a slave to them, but being set free. This is the gospel, the, the whole gospel. This is the fullness of that gospel. And God will hold us accountable for this gospel. So those who never chose to accept Christ's sacrifice will be held accountable. Those who chose to accept his sacrifice but abuse their freedom in Christ and go beyond the parameters of that freedom and use grace now as an opportunity to sin 
they will also be judged. See, the judge is coming and his righteous judgment will judge the earth. And that's what race to the kingdom is. God will judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God who judges his people. So it's funny. It's, you know, we, we look at the sort of the, again, back to the, you know, there's this always this reminder. I have to kind of remind myself that all of this stuff was written for the believer, for the, you know, for the, what is now called a Christian back then they were, they, they were followers of the way. Um, yep. you know, this wasn't right. written for the non-converted. Right. This wasn't written for all the pagans yep. and the, and um, you know, the non-believers in the world. They, this was written for, for us, those who have accepted Christ into our hearts and accepted the Holy spirit into our, into our, into our bodies. Right. And so we, as the body of Christ, were not only meant to come under the authority of God and his laws that are righteous, holy, good, and true, but we've been given the power to, to conform to his image now through the Holy Spirit. But we are also supposed to be proclaimers of this good news that you can be right with God. So to the outsiders, we are supposed to be delivering this message of God is the judge. Okay. Jesus came and he proved it. He rose from the dead. He conquered the grave. He, he showed that he had the authority and that he, uh, got back the rulership of this world. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. So we tell the outsiders, hey, you want to be right with God, right? You don't want to be caught unaware. Okay. Because he's going to come and he's going to judge everybody, including us. Okay. And so we're inviting them out of the um, enslavement to the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we're inviting him into the victorious family of God that can live in a way that pleases God because God has made a way, the way. And so that is the news that we are trying to share with the world. And then we're also trying to hold one another accountable for living out this new kingdom way. Jesus taught how to live it his kingdom way. And so we have to abide in him in order to live that way. And this is what it says. It says, don't use your liberty as a opportunity for the flesh. Okay. And walk in the spirit. Don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay. What, what for the flesh, lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another that you do not do the things that you wish but if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The idea of you know, even Romans 3.31, so shall, shall we um, um, override this law because of this faith? Certainly not. We will uphold the law. We will fulfill the law. So this under the law means under the oppression of the dictates of the ceremonial laws that led to, um, that didn't lead to a life pleasing to God. In other words, you were, you were um, just following regulations that, you know, couldn't give you the, the moral adherence that God required. But now through the spirit, he gives you what you need to fulfill the moral requirement of God. So this is good news. This is the good news. This was the whole gospel of the good news, is that we could live a way now that could come under the judgment of God and not be condemned. Not because Christ took away all condemnation, 
which is what a lot of churchgoers say. Christ took away all condemnation. There is no condemnation in Christ. They, they actually fail to read the rest of that passage. For those who walk according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. So you actually have to walk. You have to live. That's what walk means. Live according to God's ways. And yeah, there's no condemnation. But if you do not live according to God's ways, okay, that is all the warnings to the church in Scripture. You know, it's you funny you go, well, so back to that whole, you know, well, if I don't live according to God's ways, that's oppressive. I'm like, well, you know, read through this stuff. What's oppressive about doing right by your brother? And I mean, you know, we talked about this that you and I talked about this, that you really can boil this thing down to two real commandments, right? You know, love thy God over all others and love your neighbor, your brother, like you love your God, right? Right. right. And if, if, if you broke those, if you, you, you can, you can really just sort of, you know, filter all the, all the commandments, all the rules, all 1,600 and however many it is, if you add up Old Testament, New Testament, all together, and they would all boil down to that those two things, right? And if if we just if we just lived that way, we would truly be free, right? I mean, and I, I do want to I do want to say one thing just to help clarify. Um, we should know all 1,643 commands in the Bible. So because those define love, okay? So that's the point that we're making. Um, the ceremonial dietary, the, the restrictions uh, imposed by the Pharisees, um, you know, they, they, they even neglected the weightier things of the law in order to strain out at a gnat. These, these were the things that were spoken against, not the laws that show love. All the laws that are loving, those were all expressions of how to um, love your neighbor. All 1,643 verses were ways in which the Ten Commandments were to be um, enacted and played out in in real life. So so that's why they were written. But the ones that got most of the attention were the ones that God didn't care about, and because they didn't lead to the adherence of those loving laws, they're actually led to unloving. They led to man worship. They led to the glory of man being received and him parading around and us, us just being oppressed by those laws mm -hmm. and not the actual laws that we're loving. And so we, we want to clarify that, that you should know all those commands. We should be living by all those commands. In fact, freedom, just like we said in, in, um, in the sports analogy and Robert's water analogy in, in, as a builder, were, were that, you know what, if you want to frame a solid house that will stand up against the weather, okay, stand up against the storms, Jesus even said this as a, as a parable, then you better build on the foundation with things that can weather that storm. Okay. And those are the rules. Those are the commands that I have written to you. These are the way you build a loving house that will weather the storms of the world. That's the message that we were given. And, and that, that really just all these other verses that we've written um just show this yep. and you can read this article online you can read peter's understanding of it right here um 
We also have a command to use our freedoms in Christ from external regulations in a way that uh, that make another stumble. So in other words, you know, don't, you. Yeah. Don't, ma- don't major in the minors that cause your brother, you know, to stumble in the majors. And, and, and that's where we, we make mistakes as, as Christians in the body of Christ. Um, and so, you know, you can go on to read that. And then we do have another article that we're going to release um, about forgiveness and true repentance, um, being able to escape the consequences of sin. And so we'll, we'll talk about the puzzles of forgiveness in another article. Mm-hmm. And then here, here's some of the application questions. Um, you know, where has America gone um, as the land of the free? Has the original meaning of our founding fathers changed? Uh, how so? How does our Heavenly Father define freedom and what is its intended purpose? And how can we as his people become a good steward of this knowledge? Um and, and, and again, we, we, we do want to emphasize um, Dr. Dell Tackett's The American Experiment. Um, I, can't, I can't recommend that uh, enough. It's actually um, presented in, in an amazing way and very entertaining, but very accurate to history. Um, and that's about it. All right. So, guys, we're going to wrap this up. And... Uh... It's, it cracks me up every time Keith and I do this. We we start off going, hey, this is only going to be a 35 or 40 minute podcast. And here we are. We've gone over an hour again. We just yeah. it just doesn't seem to be something that we can do. And uh, we, we understand you guys have a pause button and and we appreciate <laughs> that uh, that you use it from time to time and, and that you stick with us on this stuff. Um, this was what I found really interesting personally and and um, kind of. When we, when we looked into the, you know, the, the whole laying out of all this, um, just kind of one I didn't understand. And, and uh, well, I hope you guys got something really good from it. Um, you can find us in the, in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. Um, distribute, send this thing out to your friends. Um, if you're in uh, the San Antonio Hill Country area, hit Keith or I up. We're doing a, um, a Bible study at, at his restaurant on uh, every other Sunday. Uh, maybe like to talk to you about maybe come in and join us at that. So anyway, our, our contact information is, is all over the place. So hit us up and we appreciate your time. Peace, say goodbye, and we'll see you guys next time. Okay, guys. See you later.